Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For information about the church, you can go to our website, connectionschurch.church, or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Wow. Praise God. You can be seated. Uh, and we're going to jump into the Word part one right now. So if you would, grab your Bibles, get a pen, pencil, something to write with. You can uh, grab your handouts, and there is a nifty little outline on there for you. And wow, again, I just can't, can't express how excited we are. We're so glad to have our Kings Mountain congregation in the house. Give it up for KM, Pastor Shane, Tracy. The team is here, and man, what a blessing that is to have those folks with us. And uh, you can see the decorations. They, they got a little carried away in uh, decorating even our, our podium, and, but that's okay. We, we, got a, we have a great team, and they said they wanted it to look presidential. Uh, well, it, it's close, you know, but uh, we, we appreciate everybody who worked so hard. And, man, we, we just want to thank you again for being here and everybody who helped to make this day possible. We've got a team cooking, preparing your food. We've got a team watching the, the grounds here, teams that set up and, and, and put this together and decorated. And, and I'm telling you, I even felt so excited about our 10 years, I, I broke out a tie. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. And a brand-new shirt. How do you like this shirt? Well, let me tell you a little secret. I bought this shirt at our yard sale to support our Honduras mission team that's heading out in a few weeks yesterday for a dollar. And it was still in the pack. And it had a price tag hanging on it that said like 60 bucks. Who's the value shopper now, right? Come on. You know me. I don't, I don't buy it unless it's on clearance sale. Man, that was, you can't even get it at the Goodwill for a dollar. They're like four bucks. So, man, what a great day. We're honored to have you. We sure have come a long way in a short amount of time. And we are thankful to our Lord Jesus Christ and so many others who have helped Connections Church along the way in these 10 years. Now, we're going to jump into God's Word by looking at the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And, man, we, we felt like since this church started in a fish camp, how many of you know what a fish camp is? Come on. Yep, there you go. We started in Graham's Fish Camp 10 years ago with about 12 people. We only felt it was appropriate. Miss Brandy came up with a great idea that we would center our thoughts and our theme around loaves and fishes. Huh? Come on. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. That's, 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 that's proper. And so today we're going to look at the account of Jesus feeding the multitude with a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. What, what an amazing story. And, and you may not have known this, but this miracle, this story is written of in all four Gospels in the Bible. Now, it's about a little guy who brought a lunch with him to this very powerful encounter with Jesus. How many of you agree with me? He may have been the smartest one in the whole crowd. Nobody else brought anything with him, it doesn't seem like. So maybe he was a Boy Scout, always prepared, I don't know. But, but we have truly experienced God's miraculous provision and multiplication here at Connections in the first 10 years. And we know that the days ahead are going to be even greater than the days behind us. Don't you love that? That there are greater things ahead. It, man, the past has been awesome. These first 10 years have been incredible, amazing, beyond description. I just, I, I sit back and can't even believe it 
when I see our teams here every Sunday morning preparing and spending time around the altar in prayer and getting ready to minister that day, when I see them serving throughout the week and going in the neighborhoods and loving on people and, and, and doing everything. Yesterday we had teams at Samaritan's Feet. We had a, a, a group here, like I said, with a yard sale getting ready to go to Honduras. We had a team here getting ready for this very special occasion. And, and man, it just, it just does something to me to see that. And we know it's because people have stepped out in faith and trusted God and worked together. So we're going to learn some lessons this morning from the Master in preparing for the coming season. And I want you to prepare with, with, with your life, for, for your family, as we're preparing for the ministry that God has for us here at this church. And, and I want us to grab a hold of everything that we, we find in this very powerful, powerful teaching that Jesus gives us. So I want to give you the first three very quickly. And, and beginning with number one on your outline is simply this. Jesus was giving them the bread of life. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Luke's gospel. And we're going to kind of kind of camp out in, 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 in chapter 9. And, and, and in verse 10 through 11, it says that the apostles, when they had returned, told Jesus all they had done. And when he took them and went aside privately to a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida, but when the multitudes knew it, they followed him, and he received them, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who had need of healing. What we find here is, is a picture of Jesus imparting himself to those who are in need. He was giving himself away. How many of you feel like that each and every week that you give yourself maybe to your family, maybe to your friends, maybe to your children, maybe to, to the place you work, that you just give a part of yourself away, that you, you serve and you, you minister and you love and you give and you just, you just kind of keep on pouring out to others. Well, that's the picture here that Jesus gave himself away. The Gospel of John states that before the feeding of the 5,000, he had intended to get away to a quiet and deserted place and have some time to himself. You ever felt like that? How many of you did that this week? How many of you went up maybe and walked Crowder's Mountain or hiked it just to get away by yourself? Or maybe you, you have a boat and you jumped in that and went to the lake and were all alone out there on the lake just kind of taking some time for yourself. Well, it seems like Jesus wanted to get away a little bit privately and spend some time with his father like he was accustomed to doing. But if you'll read on in the story, like I just read this, this portion out of Luke's gospel, you, you find out that, that the multitudes heard where he was at. And see, by this time he had quite the following. So they wanted to go and, and seek him out. They wanted to go and be with him. And they wanted to go and be ministered to. They wanted to get something. They, they had needs and they heard that he was the one that could meet those needs. So they, they pressed into Jesus. And here's what Jesus gave them. Look at me right now and don't miss this. He gave them himself. The Bible tells us that Jesus declared himself, I am the bread of life. You come to me and you will never hunger again. He also tells us on another occasion that he is the living water. Drink from him and you'll never be thirsty again. So he alone has the answers for life. Whatever it is we're going through, whatever hardship, whatever challenge you're facing right now, whatever pain, whatever sickness, whatever, whatever anything that's coming at you, in your own personal life, Jesus is the answer. And I find it interesting that they pressed in to where he was. They, they all wanted something from him. And here's what I love about Jesus that reminds me of our church family. No matter who it was, no matter what their need was, he gave. 
He just gave himself. He just kept on and kept on and kept on. He just kept ministering and loving and meeting needs and, and touching and healing the sick and, and encouraging those who were down and those who were struggling with depression. He just kept lifting them up and giving them joy. Whatever it was, the bread of life Jesus gave to them. Here's what I know right now. We live in a world around us that is literally starving for God. They are literally dying every day around us from starvation and thirst because they don't know the living water and they don't have the bread of life. Look at me. We as God's people, we know him. And I mean we know him in, in the manner that he lives inside of us. That's what becoming a Christ follower is all about. It's opening up our lives and saying, Jesus, you come in, be Lord of my life. So here's the good news, that we house the very Son of God, Jesus, inside of us. That as Christ followers, we have the bread of life dwelling in us. We have that living water that will never thirst again, if you know what I'm talking about. And hear me right now, those around us, don't miss this. Those people you work with every day that are hurting, that are broken, that are lonely, that are depressed, that are in pain that need desperately the Jesus that we house, that living water, that bread of life, we have the opportunity to give to them. Now, in, in doing that, here's, here's kind of what happens. If, if you find yourself giving and giving and giving, here's kind of what can happen in, in, in number two on your outline. We can grow weary in serving and giving people what they need. We can kind of wear out and, and tire out. Any, any of you there right now? Maybe you've been going and going and going, and you feel like you've been in a marathon, and then when that one finished, you had about an hour break and, and got a drink of water or two, then you started back on the next marathon, and maybe some of you feel like you're in about maybe marathon number 20. I don't know. Any of you ever run a marathon in this room? Let me see your hands. Hey, we got one, two, three. Man, that's awesome. Four, uh, yes. Exhausting, draining, tiring. It'll make you weary. It, it'll wear you out. It'll sap you of everything that you had physically from what I understand. But, but many people are weary in giving out spiritually as well. Maybe you're, you're, you're broken down physically, spiritually, emotionally. I don't know. I do know this. It's easy to get that way. And here's what happened. In this account, when the crowds pressed in, Jesus was ministering all day. The Bible tells us the sun was starting to go down, and these folks had been with him all day, and none of them had eaten anything. And, and let me just kind of give you a number here. They say he's feeding of the 5,000, but that's only counting the men. They say that if you, if you tally up the, the women and the children that were there as well, that it was a number closer to 20,000 people. That's a pretty good-sized crowd, right? Going to be about that number over at Panther Stadium Day watching them beat the Giants, right? I thought you'd be a little more enthusiastic than that. Obviously, you're not a Panthers fan. And so there's this huge crowd, none of them had eaten, and, and the disciples are kind of getting nervous about it. And they kind of start freaking out, and they're talking amongst themselves, they're trying to think, what are we going to do? And so they go to Jesus and say, man, we believe everybody's getting hungry. You know why I believe they thought that? I believe they thought that because they were getting hungry. <laughs> I mean, we've been here all day, we've been helping you, Jesus, we've been moving you through the crowd, we've been, you know, assisting with crowd control, we've been kind of hanging out with people, and so we're hungry, we're assuming they're hungry, everybody's hungry, what are we going to do? Let's just send them home to go get something to eat. And that's an easy thing to do when we're on empty or we feel like we, we can't or we feel like we don't have enough or maybe we feel like it's impossible. Have you ever been there? Because they're sizing up this crowd of 20,000 people 
and nothing to feed them with that they know of. And they're thinking, we don't have what it takes to meet this need. Man, I, I've been there before. And maybe it's fear. Maybe you're afraid. You, you just don't, don't know what to do because this fear has, has gripped your life. Well, let me ask you a few questions today as we move through this and, and finish up this first segment. In just a moment, do you ever look at the situations that you face in life and become fearful and, and full of doubt? Let me ask you this. You look at a, a family member that does not know Christ and wonder if they will ever come to salvation. Do you ever look at a physical need and wonder if it will ever be all right or if it will ever be met or lead to something worse? Are you ever afraid to open the mailbox because it just might contain another bill? Come on. We all know that joyful feeling. Are you ever afraid to answer the phone because it might be that bill collector calling you about the bill that did come to the mailbox? Do you ever scan the days of your life and wonder how much time you have left? Don, where are you at? Okay, stop. Do you ever look at the condition of the world and become fearful, wondering how is this all going to... I'm telling you, man, I'm looking around right now and thinking this place is about to implode. This world we live in is in such desperate and evil times. God, how much longer? Now, you may be asking why I'm asking you these questions. And, well, here's the reality. We all feel this way at times. Being afraid of the unknown is a part of living in this world. Having doubts and concerns is nothing to be ashamed of. It is something that we all deal with, and I believe that that's exactly where the disciples were right here in this moment with Jesus. Listen to this. They were in the presence of the Lord of glory, but they didn't believe that he could handle the situation. To their eyes, it looked impossible. The only answer that they could muster up was, let's send them away. Now, here's the main point of this second area right here that I want every one of us to grab a hold of. We are not, as God's people, as Christ followers, and I pray that that's where you're at in your life right now, we are not in the position of sending people away. Does everybody get that loud and clear? Our assignment as people who house the very presence and the very person of God himself, Jesus Christ incarnate, living and dwelling inside of us, is to understand that we have more than enough in and who he is in us and through us, and that we don't have to send people away when they come to us in their sickness, in their loneliness, in their depression, in their hurt, in their addiction. Here's what we have. We have Christ in us who is the hope of glory and is able, more than able, to meet the need that comes at us. And I'm going to tell you something. This week you're going to have needs coming at you in and through the lives of people that you get to, to rub shoulders with. This week you're going to have them coming at you saying, hey, my, my spouse just told me they're leaving me. My whole world's crumbling. I don't know what to do. My, my, my job just told me they don't need me any longer. My, I, I don't know how we're going to make it. Hey, I don't know if you've ever dealt with this, but I've been battling this thing of depression. And it just kind of has me in its grips, and I don't know which way to turn. Here's the reality. We are not in position to send them away. Jesus, <laughs> he is the answer. And when he is in us, we have the answer for the broken world around us. And I love this. Man, this was just symbolic of the little fears that the disciples had in their lives. They were afraid of all these things, just like we are at times. And I love how Jesus corrected them in this moment. And he said, hey, 
Don't turn them away. Don't send them back home. And here it is, folks, and I want you to write this down in the margin of your outline in big, big, bold letters. He says to them, and he's saying to us today, 2018, 10th anniversary at Connections Church, October 7th, he's telling us, you give them something to eat. Man, I love that. That's exactly who Jesus is. He's the one that says, we don't have to turn people away. We don't have to send them to another source. We don't have to send them to Walmart or to KFC. Thank God, right? We don't have to send them to Spence to cook up some delicious barbecue. We can feed them, guys. Get this. I am more than enough to meet this need. Don't grow weary. Don't get fearful. Don't doubt. Understand clearly who Jesus is and what he can do. And then number three. Here's what he asks of them. Give what you have in your hand. Verse 13, Jesus tells them, you give them something to eat. And I love that he not only tells them that, but he shows them how to feed the multitude. And this is what we need to grab a hold of as well. How do we feed the multitude? Jesus said, go find whatever you can and bring it to me. And how many of you know what he went and got? What the disciples went and collected? Bread and fish. Now, I'm not talking about Olive Garden breadsticks here. How many of you like to tear some of them up? A little bit of butter on them suckers, man, that stuff is good. I'm not talking about salt and pepper catfish down here at, at Catfish Cove. Or big old filet of flounder. How many of you like some of that? A little bit of tartar sauce on the side? Huh. you got to have hush puppies, right? Got to. Now, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a few little fish, as, as the history of, of this story tells us. We're basically like sardines. Now I've lost you, right? Because I'm going to tell you something. You open up a can of those, and I'm running for the hills. That stuff does I mean, how people want to eat that, I have no earthly idea. I don't want to be in the same room when somebody I used to go fishing with a buddy. Man, we fished all the time and hung out, and, and he would bring his little bag lunch. I'd bring mine. And he, after a few hours of fishing, he said, man, let's grab a little bite to eat. And he would pop his bag open. He'd pull out a can of sardines. I'm like, man, I'm getting out of his boat. You're going you're gonna to run all the fish off. They start smelling that stuff. All they rounded up was a few pieces of bread, and I'm talking this little flat, crisp, hard, just, just not delicious Olive Garden breadsticks or Logan's. How about that? How many of you like those rolls that come hot out of the oven and got that honey butter with it? Man, somebody stop me. We're going to all be starving here in a minute. Five loaves, two fish. Little boy sack lunch. I, I like to call it a, a happy meal this kid brought. But how's that going to feed 20,000 people? Pastor Scott's going to share that with us in just a little bit, but here's what I want you to know right now. As the worship team gets ready to come back and lead us again, I want you to know something. God is asking each one of us, what do you have in your hands? What do you have that you could turn over to Him, that you could trust Him with? Here's what I know. Years ago, when we started this church, God put this vision in our hearts. My wife Tiffany, me, handful of people, the Lord just said, it's time to build this church. And in today's church planting model is to 
work with your home church or a, a parachurch organization and tell them, hey, we have this vision, this compelling vision to go out and plant this church. And, and if you would give us 10 families, 20 families, and, and $100,000 and get us started, we'll, we'll be on our way and we'll establish this new church plan and we'll get it up and going and, and, and we'll build this church. And I was thinking, man, that would be a great way to start out connections, that this thing God's burning in our hearts. But here's what God said. I'm not going to have you ask for anything. No money. No families. I want you to launch out. And here's what he asked me to do. Trust me with what you have in your hands. I said, hold on, Lord. That's not the way they do things now. That's not the church plant model of today. Did you not get the memo? But man, I'm telling you, 10 years later, this beautiful facility, our fourth location that we've been in, these five acres that we have now and more to come as we we purchase more land in the near future, this, this next building. And it's not about that stuff. I mean, set that stuff aside and understand this the thousands of lives that have been and are being changed because of what God is doing right here, right now, and the days to come. The family I want to say hello to in Honduras, Joey and Kelly and Connor Weed, who three and a half years ago said, we have a vision. We want to leave this church family and take this down to Honduras and love on the people of that nation. The highest crime rate in the world, this little place. We want to give our lives away. And they sold everything, lock, stock, and barrel, and moved down there and planted themselves in that, that country. Folks, I'm telling you, if you just close your eyes for a moment, put your right hand or left hand. You've got two options out in front of you with your palm up to heaven like somebody was going to put a, a piece of candy in your hand or a $20 bill in your hand, just whatever you like to imagine going in your hand. But instead of imagining that, imagine what's in your hand that you can offer up to the Lord and give to Him right now. What is it He's asking you to surrender and trust Him with that He can take and use and bless and multiply to help other people? Would you just... Get that picture right now, and would you just say in your heart, Lord, it's yours today. I surrender it to you. I give it to you right now, and as you do that, would you stand together and let's worship God as we declare our love for him once again in this way. I want to finish up this this story, this account out of Luke that Pastor Robert started. So now we know what's happening there. We, we understand what's going on there and we see the picture of 20,000 people who are there on the, in, in this area where Jesus is, is, is teaching and speaking. And here's what I, I want as you get your outlines back out so we can finish those last three points. I want you to understand that when the loaves and fishes were brought to Jesus, the people in the back couldn't figure out what was going on. Do you understand in a crowd of 20,000 people, if you're the guy that's in the way in the back back there, you're not going to know what's going on. You're going to see that there's some movement up there. You're, you're going to potentially see some people chatting about what's about to happen, but, 
But the normal conversations are going on back in the back of the pack. Are you with me? 20,000 people. You're you're not going to get to hear the conversation where the disciples said, the the people are hungry. What should we do about that? And Jesus said, you feed them. They didn't hear that in, in the back. Well, they were distracted. Their, their kids were running around, and they were trying to figure out, what, what, what can I, where's my kids? Somebody lost their mom, and they're like, have you seen my mom? And somebody else is like, she's probably over there. Go, go look over there. Some, there's bathroom breaks that have to go on. These people are just normal people like you and me, and the people in the back of the pack didn't know what was going on. Here's what I'm trying to tell you this morning. This is number four on your outline. They were in the middle of a miracle, and they didn't know it. Does that make sense to you this morning? They were in the middle of a miracle and they didn't know it. The people right up front were like, oh, he just blessed these loaves and these fish and now we've got more fish. And they saw the disciples as they took baskets and they started to to disperse those amongst the people in the groups that Jesus had told them to put them in. And the people in the back, they're going, what's going on up there? What's happening up there? Hey! And then the rumors start to go through the crowd. And one group tells another. This table starts to tell that table. There was a little boy. There was a little boy. And he gave his lunch. And Jesus prayed over it and blessed it. And now there's bread and there's fish coming out everywhere. And they go, really? And then they turn around and tell the next person, you guys know how that game works, right? Yes, amen. Well, by the time it got to the back of the pack, who knows what they were being told back there. But they didn't know they were in the middle of a miracle. Do you realize that could be a message for you this morning? You're in the crowd. Life doesn't seem that great. It doesn't seem that grand. You've been praying for miracles because we like to pray for that. We want to see something happen and we want to see something big happen. We want to see an explosion. But maybe you're in the middle of a miracle right now and you don't realize it. As a matter of fact, you are a miracle. Right here in this place today, those of you watching on the internet, you are a miracle. The very fact that we can suck in the air that is around us and our bodies that were created by the Creator can take the oxygen out of the air and feed it to the the blood and feed it to the cells. That's a miracle. How is it possible that we take that for granted? The fact that we were able to get in vehicles or maybe somebody picked you up, maybe you rode horseback. I don't know how you got here today, but the fact that you're able to transport yourself from one place to another and come to church in a free country and worship our God, that's a miracle. So I'm wanting you to see this morning that it's very possible that even though you might have come here, you may listen to this message this week, and you're sort of feeling like you don't know what's going on. You're the person in the back of the crowd, and you've seen some movement up there, and you see some people starting to move around and disperse, but you're hungry. The food ain't coming fast enough for you. The baskets of loaves and fishes aren't coming fast enough for you. I want you to know this morning, you are in the middle of a miracle in your life. It's coming. The baskets are coming. Don't miss that in this story. Number five on your outline, the meal wasn't sufficient until Jesus touched it. Oh, that's good right there. See, we got lots of stuff in our life. We, we accumulate a lot of things. How many of you got houses full of stuff? I got too much stuff. I brought some to the yard sale yesterday and got rid of some of my stuff. But we got stuff everywhere. But it's no good to anybody until Jesus touches it. The little boy brought his basket. I don't really know that he brought it willingly. I've reread that a couple of times and I've tried to figure that out. And I thought, did he bring the basket and say, here's, that's the way we taught it in Sunday school. 
Or did a disciple go by and go, hey, he's got food over here. Snatch. I don't know. But a little boy had food. But it wasn't sufficient. There was only five loaves. There was only two fishes. That wasn't sufficient for the 20,000 people that were there. If we told all of you to stay after church today and we're going to eat. And we had five loaves and two fishes. Some of y'all be fighting each other. You'd be fighting to the front of the line. Women and children don't go first when man's stomach's hungry, does it? Oh, you'd be like, man, I'm good. It wasn't sufficient until Jesus said, Lord, thank you for this bread. And he started tearing pieces. He said, boys, get the baskets ready. And he starts putting pieces in the baskets. Fresh bread. Get that this morning. Fresh bread. It didn't get to the back of the, uh, of the room. Uh, they weren't in a room. It didn't get back to the field back there. And they were like, man, this bread right here comes from the Marita store. This ain't so good. This is kind of old. No, sir. Fresh bread. He's tearing it off. And the more he tears, the more bread there is. He's putting it in the baskets. And the disciples are, and they're just carrying it out. They probably looked at him like, what? He said, go. Hurry up. There's 20,000 people out here. Let's get this miracle done. Fresh bread. And he took fish. Fish. Now, if you don't cook fish right, that's nasty, ain't it? Oh, you guys were saying amen to flounder and perch and salt and pepper catfish when Pastor Robert was up here. He don't even like fish. (laughs) He might eat a shrimp now and again, but he ain't even touching no fish. But if fish isn't cooked right, nobody wants the fish. I'm all about a low country boil, but you got to get it done, right? Jesus took that fish, and I don't know how he did it. He might have ripped it apart. He might have cut it. He might have just said, multiply, and the fish just started. But he was fresh fish. Do you understand there's a fresh blessing coming to you today? Do you understand it ain't going to be moldy when the bread gets there? It ain't going to be stinking when the fish arrives? It's fresh because Jesus touched it. And it's going to be sufficient for your need. It's going to be sufficient bread, sufficient nourishment, sufficient fresh fish for you. Hang on to that today. Number six on your outline, the time is short. That's what I thought before I got up here. The time is short. I don't have much time. Feed them now. The time is short. Feed them now. They said, Master, we've got all these people hungry. How in the world... Should we go into town? Even if we went into town, how would we have enough money to buy food for all these people? He said, feed them now. You feed them. Do it now. We've been talking the last couple of weeks, different messages that you've heard right here from this, this, this stage about time and how short it is. Don't wait. Write that down somewhere. Don't wait. The time is now. Feed them now. You've got those people on your list that you've been praying for for years and years, but you've never scheduled a time to sit down with them and speak the name of Jesus. You've got those people on your list that you say, oh, I got family that needs to, well, where are you at on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. when we're in here worshiping and calling out the names of people who need Jesus? Pray for those people. Feed them now. Where are you at with the word into your children's lives? You've been meaning to do it for years and years and years. Do it now. Jesus said, don't wait. We don't have time to go into town. You might not have the resources, baby, but I do. Feed them now. And he starts to rip the pieces and put them in the baskets. And as the disciples moved through the crowd, people started to eat. They get a little bit of food in their belly like we're going to in just a few minutes. And then they started to feel a little bit better. 
Headaches started to subside. A little bit of nausea from just having coffee. By the way, I had way too much this morning. But you guys are used to that by now. Because when I get up here talking about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I can't hold it back. It just is what it is. He said, you go feed them. And as they got that food into their stomachs, they started to feel a little bit better. And I'm just imagining that at the end of everybody eating, they would say, thank you, Lord. We have been in the middle of a miracle the whole time when the food finally hit the back people. And they said, where'd this come from? I said, baby, you've been in the middle of a miracle this whole time waiting on them baskets to get here. But Jesus is sufficient for you. Amen. Amen. Last thing, and I didn't have this on the outline because I just thought of it while I was sitting over there listening to Pastor Robert. Look at the last verse of this section that we're in. It says, verse 17, they all ate and were satisfied. Thank you, Lord. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken Broken pieces. I got the NIV. It says broken. Some of you might say fragments. It depends on what you're reading. I want you to understand that there were broken pieces left over. Oh, when I thought about that over there just a minute ago, I about... You see, Jesus is into broken pieces. He is into broken pieces. They could have... Sent everybody home after eating and left all that food out on the ground. But Jesus told the disciples, you go out there and you collect what's left over. Let's get the... How many of you love leftovers? Oh, leftover vegetable soup. Let that marinate for a couple of days, right? And then get it out and heat it up on the stove. Don't microwave it. I don't want stuff running through my... No, put it on the pot. Put it in there and stir it until it's good and hot. Oh, leftovers are good. Leftover fish... Not so much. But Jesus said, you go out and you collect the broken pieces. And it says after they did that, guess how many basketfuls of broken, leftover, fragmented pieces there were? Twelve. What started as five loaves and two fishes turned into twelve baskets of broken pieces. I don't know how you're receiving that this morning. But something down inside here wants to say, thank you, Lord, for accepting broken pieces. Because I was broken. Because I'm broken. As you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning, see, I can be brief. Ha-ha! <laughs> All you naysayers. We have an account of a little boy giving up his lunch to feed 20,000 people. We read that in our Bibles. We've heard it in Bible stories. We went to children's church and heard that over and over again. And now here we are, some of us boys and girls, and I'm so glad they're in the room with me today. Some of us adults that have lived a long time. And I don't know what you got out of that this morning. I don't know where you are in your life. But when I realize that Jesus is sufficient for me, and when he comes in and he touches something, it suddenly becomes enough. That makes me want to celebrate. That makes me want to shout. That makes me want to act different than I acted growing up in church. That makes me not care what you all think. When I realized that at the end of that great miracle, that some of those people didn't even realize they were in the middle of, that makes me want to celebrate. 
oh God, you've made me a miracle. And I'm in the middle of the miracle that you have set out for me. I don't need to look for, I don't need to send money to a preacher on TV. I don't need to make a faith gift. I'm in the miracle. And the miracle is the fact that he lives in me. How is it that I'm going to go out and forgive the person that does me wrong tomorrow? I'm in the middle of a miracle. How is it tomorrow that I'm going to hear on the news that people were shot up and I'm going to say, Lord, would you help us? Because I'm in the middle of a miracle. I don't know what it is that's going on in your life today. I don't know where you're at. But you're in the middle of a miracle. And finally, Jesus will collect the broken pieces. Do you know what I think he did with those broken pieces? I think he moved on to the next crowd. Now, y'all, don't get mad at me. I'm not adding to the Bible. Don't quote me Revelation. I know it. But he took them 12 baskets of broken pieces, and I wouldn't be surprised if he said, Lord, would you bless the broken pieces? And then he found another crowd of people, and he said, Are you hungry? He said, Hand them that bread. Lord, we thank you today. Oh, God, for your blessings. We look back over 10 years, and we say, well, look how far we've come. But all of that, all of those moments, all of those celebrations, all of those uh, shaving cream pies to the face, or to get us to this moment, or to get us to right now, where we realize from a story we've heard a hundred times how sufficient your grace is. We realize you're into broken pieces. We realize, God, that we are broken people. And if there's anybody in the room that's ever been broken, is currently broken, or thinks they might be broken, would you stand to your feet? All over the room. I got a feeling I'm not going to be the only one standing. Because we live in a world that's constantly bombarding us. Where's my kids at? Stand up, kids. Because you're all broken too, but we all know Jesus, right? And he's into broken pieces. So I don't know what you need today, and we're celebrating, and stuff's kind of out of order, and stuff's just kind of weird today, but we are not going to miss Jesus. We're not going to miss him. I will stay here until the cows come home so that you don't miss Jesus. Isn't that the heart of this church? So as I pray over all of us, I'm just simply giving you an invitation. You might say, well, there's a lot of tables in the way. I don't know if I can get down there. It, just find your way. You say, well, I don't know, understand what coming to the front is going to do for me. Not a thing. Coming to the front's not going to save you. But Jesus will. So if you need Jesus in your life, if you've never accepted him, I'm telling you, he doesn't just perform miracles back then in these stories that we read in the Bible. He will perform a miracle in you today. You see, you came in here a broken person on your way to an eternal hell. There's only one way. Hear me. There's only one way to be saved. And his name is Jesus. So as I pray, if you need Jesus, I want you to come down here. I will pray with you. Pastor Robert will come pray with you. I will find somebody and we will lead you to the foot of the cross if you need Jesus today. If you're here and you say, I'm, I'm just a broken person, but I know now Jesus is in a broken stuff. And I just want to come celebrate him. Come down here. I want to celebrate with you. If you were here today and heard anything, anything that just makes sense and you want to worship, come down here as I pray. Lord, we thank you for today. 
and all the celebration and all of the moments that we had planned and that we have planned, today is the day of salvation. Your word says that. And so, God, I thank you in the name of Jesus right now for the lives that you're changing and for the lives that you've changed. Lord, I celebrate the fact that not only have we built buildings and had parties and, 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 and had connect groups and small groups, but Lord, we've been doing your work. We've been trying to tell people about Jesus. And so as we're standing here today, if there's anybody, anybody in this place that doesn't know Jesus, I ask you, Lord God, to move on them. Don't let them leave this place without knowing that they know you. Lord, if there's anybody here that just feels broken and they didn't realize today that they were standing in the middle of a miracle, let them just extend their hands towards heaven and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I'm in the middle of a miracle. I thank you today, God, for broken pieces. I thank you that you'll collect those and that you'll make them whole. I thank you for the miracles that you performed in our lives each and every single day. We love you, Lord. Would you say that with me just softly? We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. See, his desire for all of us is that we would just worship him. Lord, I thank you for what's going on at the end of this altar right here. I thank you that change comes when people realize Jesus is the answer they've been looking for. We worship you today, God. We stand in your presence. What a, what a powerful place for us to stand and, and be present in is your, your presence, the, the creator of all things. And, and you've invited each and every one of us to come and to stand in your presence. Lord, we thank you today. We worship you today. You're our provider. You're our healer. I'll tell you what, the Lord just impressed upon me, and I didn't realize he was going to do that, is would you just begin to pray and use the name of people you know that desperately need Jesus in their life? It might be a coworker, a friend, family member. Would you pray and call their name? Lord, we ask because your word tells us to ask. Your word says we have not because we have asked not. And so we ask today as we, as we celebrate 10 years of, of what you've done and what you're going to do in the future, we ask for the souls of these people whose names are being raised right now. I'm compelled to ask, God, for the salvation of people in our families our co-workers, our neighbors. Oh, Lord, don't let us leave and not ask. What a failure that would be. Because at the foot of the cross, all things are possible. Lord, we believe. We believe. people that are down here praying. I know you can't see them. I'm just going to give them a minute. God's doing something in their lives. Oh, Jesus.
God, I thank you for these children that are in this room. I thank you for the babies that are in this church. We ask you, God, to move upon them in a powerful way. These are little boys and little girls that you have ordained to be here for such a time as this. And I know for a fact, because I get to work with them all the time, that they have a heart for you, Jesus. I know they do. I ask you, Lord God, to touch these youth students that are in this room. I don't know what they face every day at school. I'm too old to know. But I know it's hard. I know they need your protection, Father God. I know that we need angels to encamp around them, keep their eyes, their ears from the things of this world, help them to focus themselves on you, Jesus. God, I pray for the adults in this room. Lord, some of us have been in the crowd a long time waiting on a miracle. Would you show us that we're in it? We are the miracle. It's happening today. Some of us have been praying for some things for a long time. Lord, I don't know if you're going to make those come to pass today or tomorrow, but I know that you are faithful. I know that you are faithful. Lord, we can't wait to come home and be with you. My heart cries out. I expected you to come last week, Lord, but you didn't. You gave us another opportunity to get together. You gave another opportunity for some people to understand and, and accept the name of Jesus. But Lord, I'm excited. I'm excited about coming home to be with you. So Lord, as we celebrate in song one more time, together, before we eat, before we play, we thank you. Oh, thank you, Jesus for who you are and for what you do in our lives. We worship you. Have you got a little hymn, a little, a little chorus? Just, just up before you do that last. Just... Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For information about the church, you can go to our website, connectionschurch.church, or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram.